0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. And we may have those watching for the first time and we want to thank you for tuning in. Today on our telecast, we want to talk about Good news, good news. Are you tired of bad news all the time? We want to talk about some good news. Stay tuned today. We continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course for the benefit of those of you who are watching for the very first time. We want you to know more about the course. We'd like you to know how to receive the Bible course. So let's pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 877 711 5214.
1: I'm reading now from the first chapter of Romans, beginning in verse number 14. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God from faith unto faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The word gospel literally means good news. And the gospel is God's power, God's dynamite to convict and to convert sinners. It is God's power to save the world. You see, there is power in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4 and 12 even says, For the word of God is quick and powerful. Powerful. It drives men to the cross. There's power in the Bible to convert people. Psalms chapter 19 and verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And so the Bible is a powerful book. In James, the first chapter and verse 25, the Bible says that, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, this man be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So the Bible contains power to change our lives for good. You see, the gospel, God's power, is not merely a set of laws and, and, and restrictions. It's not a code of ethics to live by. It's simply called good news. Good news. In Proverbs chapter 25 and 25, Solomon there said, As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news. From a far country, here's a, here's a man that's dying. Let's just say this man has pneumonia. Well, the fact that there is a medicine that doctors have uh, discovered that can be used to help save people with pneumonia is good news to that man. He here's a ship that is uh, in trouble out in the midst of the ocean. Uh, and, and let's just say this ship has on it passengers, hundreds of passengers. Well, then the captain of the ship sends out a message for help, and then he receives a message back. Help is on the way. You see, that would be good news to that captain. And suppose that an individual is condemned to die in the electric chair. And just about 10 minutes before they are to pull the switch on that man, he receives a reprieve from the governor of the state where he is. That would be good news. There was a man released in the place of Jesus. That man's name was Barabbas. Don't you suppose that was good news? To Barabbas, man is lost in sin. The fact is there is none that doeth good, no, not one, Romans 3.10. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the fact that there is a means whereby we can be saved from our sins is good news. God loved us enough that he was willing to send his only begotten son into this world for the purpose of saving mankind. And that's what the gospel tells us about. It tells us about the Christ. It tells us that Jesus Christ came into this world, that he lived and he died upon the cross of Calvary, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb, that he was raised from the dead by God's power. And because of that, that men do not need to be lost. That's good news. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and in verse 1, Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, and wherein you stand and by which you're saved, if you keep in memory of what I preached unto you, unless, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, that He arose again the third day according to the Scripture. Do you know what those verses tell us? Those verses tell us that God Almighty has provided a means of salvation. You see, God loves man. He loves you. He loves all people. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I really cannot begin to comprehend the great love of God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 reads, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I do not deserve that kind of love. It's just a matter of God's grace, God giving us what we needed. And we needed a means whereby to be saved. Yes, God loves man, And man is separated from God. And the reason that man is separated from God is because of man's sin. Isaiah 59 and 2 tells us that it is your iniquities, that it is your sins that would separate you from God, that would hide His face from you. You see, sin separates. And it was Calvary that witnessed to the exceeding sinfulness of sin. God provided a way for reconciliation. And the means whereby man could be reconciled to God was through the death of his son. When Jesus went to the cross, Jesus accepted the responsibility for our sins. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 21. He made him, that's Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus became our sin substitute. He became the one who would bear our sins upon the cross. So he is the cure... The cure and the only cure for the sins of the human race. Listen to the the Bible in the fourth chapter of Acts and in verse number 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So we are saved by Jesus That's the reason our Lord in John the 14th chapter and verse 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. Sometimes people say, are there many ways to God? And some people would answer, yes, there are many ways to God. But the Bible teaches that there is one way to God. One way to God. And that one way is the way of the cross. You see, the way of the cross leads home. And there can be a new life found in the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 17, Paul said, Therefore, if any man be In Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary for the sins of mankind. And he died to save us. This is described by the writer of Hebrews in chapter 2 as a great salvation. Great salvation. How shall we escape, the question is asked, if we neglect so great a salvation? Well, why do you suppose that it's referred to by the inspired writer as great salvation? I believe it's great because of the tremendous cost paid for that salvation. And the word salvation and the word deliverance would mean the same thing. If we are delivered, that means that we have received salvation. And there is a cost to salvation. There is a great cost. You know, most of us are concerned about the cost of things. You buy something, one of the very first questions you want to ask, if you become interested, how much does it cost? What does it cost? Well, what about the price of salvation? What did it cost? What did it cost? It cost God, His Son. It cost the Son, His life. He tasted of death for every man. Hebrews 2 and verse 9. Can you imagine what that was, to taste death and to taste it for every man? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loved the whole world enough that He was willing to give His precious Son on the cross for the salvation of the world. And the only way we will ever be saved is by that great salvation. I think it's a great salvation because of the scope of this salvation. It is... Limit, it's not limited to a select group of people. If, the, if this salvation was limited to just a certain group of people, that would make God a respecter of persons. But our God is not a respecter of persons. When Peter came to the house of Cornelius, who was a, a Gentile, Cornelius wanted to fall down and worship Peter. But he told him to stand up. He said, I'm just a man. Don't, don't worship me. And then this is what the apostle Peter said. I perceive of a truth that God is no of persons. But, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. You, you see, this salvation we're talking about is worldwide in its scope. It is for all mankind. Men have a tendency to try to, well, I, I suppose the best way I know to put it is they try to localize God. They, they try to localize God to a, some particular uh, geographical region or some particular part of the world. But but he God is a God of the whole world. You see, the appeal of the gospel is to a sinful world. This is good news. Good news. Not only is it good news, it's the best news that man has ever heard. You know, if you, when you study the Old Testament... And even come into the new. One of the things that you learn is that the Jewish people were looking for a Savior. That they were looking for the Messiah. And his name would be called Emmanuel. And Jesus Christ came as that Savior. And Jesus is Emmanuel. And that means that he is God in the flesh. He came to save a sinful world. And this is the best news that anyone has ever heard. The gospel is also old news. Well, you say, Brother Lambert, how could the gospel be old news? Well, it's just as old as the Garden of Eden. If you turn back to the book of Genesis, the the third chapter of Genesis in verse 15. The Lord is making a promise about what He's going to do about the sin of this world. Now listen, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise His heal. Here is a promise made in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 that God was going to to bruise the head of the serpent. He was going to bruise Satan. He's going to deal him a mortal blow. And it would be through the seed of the woman. And how would he bruise that the serpent. How would he deal a mortal blow to Satan? He, he, that is the he of the seed of woman. A man child shall do this and then you shall bruise his heel. When Jesus died on the cross, that was a wound, but it wasn't mortal. It wasn't final because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God. You see, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 is an early promise about what God was going to do to save this world. So that's the reason I refer to it as old news. You know, the age of a thing does not necessarily reflect on the worth of it or, or the value of it. For example, think about the works of Beethoven. People still, they're, they're very old but still are appreciated by many, many people. And think about the sun and the moon. They're quite old, aren't they? But we're not looking for something new. We want that which is old when we think about the sun and the moon. And the gospel has not lost its meaning to the 21st century, even though it is as old as the Garden of Eden old news. But the gospel is also referred to as being good news. It's good news. Well, what is there about the gospel that's good news? It tells us about a a new heaven. It tells us about a new earth. It tells us about the new Jerusalem. It tells us that we can be a new creature in Jesus Christ. It tells us that we can be new-born babes in Christ. It tells us about the New Testament. It tells us that we can wear a new name, and that's the name Christian. It tells us about a new day upon which to worship, and that is the Lord's Day. The gospel is good news. It is new news. It is new news. But, But the gospel also is universal news. And you see, people all over the world need to hear the gospel. And it's for the whole world. Our Lord said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16 and verse 15. Think about it. Every creature. Every creature. That means the gospel is to be preached in North America. The gospel is to be preached in South America, Central America. The gospel is to be preached in Africa. It's to be preached in Russia, in Ukraine. It's to be preached in Iran, Afghanistan. It's to be preached in China. It's to be preached to the whole world. It's universal news. It's for the whole wide world. And the gospel is also personal news. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 20. I I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave him self for me. This is pretty personal, isn't it? It's is for me. Christ died for me. Someone said that if, if just one person had been the only one who had ever lived, that the Lord would love you so much that He would still have given His Son to die on the cross for you. That's how much He loves you. For God, soul Love the world. The fact that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised, beaten upon that, but when He was put upon that cross shows how much God must have loved us by the giving of His Son. So the gospel is good news. It's old news. It's new news, universal news. And the gospel is also personal news. But the gospel also can be bad news. It can be bad news. If you have a very cold, formal idea about God, then no doubt the gospel is bad news to you. Because you see, God... Is love. If the gospel demanded that I be perfect, that I live without sin in order to go to heaven, that'd be bad news for me. But the Bible says that all have sinned, Romans 3 23. And there are those that are lost sinners. And there are those that have been saved from their sins by the blood of the Lamb. You know, if the gospel demanded that I just take a leap into the dark, a leap into the unknown, that would be bad news. But the gospel does not demand that of us. The gospel is logical. They Think about how logical this is. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also I have preached unto you, and by which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, lest you believed in vain. And then he said, For I delivered unto you that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that he was buried, that he arose again the third day, according to the Scripture. What's what's illogical about that? That's good news that Jesus lived, that he died, that he was raised from the dead by the power of God, that that we might be saved. But you know, that's so foolish to some people. That's just foolishness to them, and they see absolutely no logic in it at all. But the gospel is logical. Let me ask you a question. What are the demands of the gospel? Well, there's some facts to be believed, as I just mentioned. We need to believe the fact about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but those are just facts. But then there are commands that are to be obeyed. What are those commands? Well, just like Jesus died, I'm to die. I'm to die to my sins. In Romans 6 and 2, the Bible says, How shall we that are dead, live, dead to sin live any longer therein? So we die to sin. And just like Jesus was buried in a watery, in a, in a barred tomb, we're to be buried in a watery tomb, that is, in baptism. Romans 6, 3 and verse 4, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Then like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. So he was raised up from the dead. And so when we are, are buried with Christ in baptism and then We come up out of that watery grave. We come up a person alive in Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life. And we are saved from our sins. And here's the promise of the gospel. Salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation. Would you obey the gospel? Believe in Jesus, repent of your sins and confess your faith in him and be baptized into him today. I want to thank you for watching today and may I give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community and they'll help you understanding more about the gospel that saves the good news of Jesus. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer.
0: Getting to Know Your Bible for getting to know your Bibles.